Father God, I thank you. Lord, I love you and praise you. I just thank you that you love us and that you care for us and that you take care of us. Lord, as we go through this sermon, I hope that you will uh, just work inside of us, help us to see you, and help us to hold on to you more and more. Lord, I pray for the, the young ones as they go downstairs, and I just pray that you would open their heart, that they would see you, and that you would be at the leaders as they preach your word, Lord. Lord, I thank you, and I pray that you will let your word speak loudly and that I can just hold on. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Kids can be dismissed. guys so this week is not breaking down and the word for today is is hate and, and hate can break down relationships but in the church we really don't like to talk about hate we use terms like I don't hate somebody I just really dislike them I hate somebody but I just kind of ignore them I just burn with the fire of a thousand suns but I don't hate them and sometimes it's easy to see hate, like during the riots of 2020, but other times it's more subtle, like when we secretly look down on people. With God, there is love and there is hate. And if you're not loving people, you're hating them. What more hate can you give than to deny somebody this, this knowledge of who Jesus is? So obviously the, the opposite of hate is love. So that's our contrast for today. Romans 12, 9 through 10. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Love one another with brotherly affection. The word love here is used 551 times, it's translated in the ESV. This Greek word here that's translated love is used exactly one time in the entire Bible. It's philostorgas. And phila is this affectionate love between friends. And storhe is this, this family love. I don't think this is by accident. This is a realistic example of what our love should look like in the church. And I understand that agape is unconditional, but let's be honest, really only God is capable of this unconditional love. We can strive for it. But I believe that a relationship that is based on an affectionate love between friends and family is a great representation of our love for one another. The other day, one of the people in our church was hurting. Her husband was in ICU, and when I showed up to see them, she gave me this massive hug as I prayed for her and for her husband and for her family. You see, we're family. She was hurting. She was scared. Her husband is in the ICU. He's on a ventilator. Are we willing to give each other a hug? 
I've heard stories about other people getting hugs in this church and the difference that it makes in their life. Just a hug. Just, just embracing somebody. How often is that all you need? And that's the love that we see. I don't ever want us to be a church that has hate. I want us to appreciate love. But in order to really appreciate love, we have to know what hate is. And God tells us what hate is in Proverbs 6, 16-19. These are the six things that the Lord hates. Seven that are an abomination to Him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. These are the sins that deal with deep motivation of the heart. And we can try so hard to rid these of ourselves, but we have to let God replace them in us with this, with this love, or we'll fall right back into the hate. Also, when you look at this text, you have to understand that whenever we see this list with two different numbers like this, six things that the Lord hates, and seven are an abomination It's a literature device used by the Hebrews to say that there's more to this list. But this is what we want to highlight today. Today I want to take it one step further. I want you to understand what God hates and contrast it with what God loves. So instead of just telling you not to do these things, I want us to humbly see everyone to have truthful lips, to heal and restore all, to seek out righteous ways, to run quickly to goodness, to be a credible witness and to unite believers. God loves these actions. So today we're going to look at the story of the Good Samaritan. As we contrast this hate with what we see in the scribe and and the priest and the Levite and these robbers and the love that we see in the Good Samaritan. And so if you have your Bible, pull it out. I hope you do. But it's it's in Luke 10, starting at verse 25. This is where it starts. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? I think this is so funny because after the service last week, Frank Peasley comes up to me. He's like, I'm so glad you didn't use the lawyer in Luke to talk about hypocrisy. (laughs) I really didn't mean to use it this time, but I just thought it was pretty funny. So when you see the term lawyer, this was a person who was trained in the law and he's gifted in public debate debate, to defend the law. Now there's similarities with lawyers today, but it's not exactly what you would think. I would think of it more as a person that is trained in apologetics today. Anyways, this guy was probably sent by the religious leaders to make Jesus look stupid, to, to catch him. This is where we start breaking down these steps to get rid of hate in our life. Instead of being haughty and looking down on others, God wants us to humbly see everyone. This lawyer is not coming to Jesus with a pure heart. This pure heart, discovering this eternal life, he believes he already has it. He's not humble about it. He's prideful. He's puffed up. He's special. And when we see ourselves as better than somebody else, it is a form of hate. Often we think of hate as a rage for somebody else, but hate can appear in so many forms. When we see ourselves as somebody 
better than others. It's this superior complex. We are no longer helping somebody or speaking to somebody just because we love Jesus. We're doing it to make ourselves look superior. It's one reason that I truly believe that this place, when somebody comes in, they should never leave without somebody talking to them. I don't care who they are, where they come from. I mean, look in your row. Is there somebody that you can say hi to? Somebody you can talk to? Somebody you can welcome? Now, don't overwhelm them. When I went to that church in Omaha, you know, the Pentecostal one that I talked about, he had everybody greet me. It took like 15 to 20 minutes for 300 people to shake my hand. Now, if you're new here, thank God that's not what I'm doing with you. But it's okay. I want us to be the most welcoming church, the most welcoming place in all of Douglas. People should walk into this place and feel like they belong, feel like they are welcome. You see, if Jesus welcomes everyone in this house, then so should we. Look at your heart. I mean, you could easily have been born into a different life. And Jesus, He equally loves all of us. And so should we. I hope that is our heart. I know that's FBC. I would rather have somebody leave here and say, man, that place is really over the top nice. Than say that nobody ever talked to them. You see, our motive is Jesus. And if you're here and you're not a believer, newsflash, I'm telling you that everybody in here wants to convert you. But we can't do that unless we welcome people. Luke 10, 26, he said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And the lawyer responded with the truth. He knows his Bible. Verse 27, and he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and the neighbor as yourself. Jesus agrees, but, but he's saying this. He's saying you must live it out. It's not enough to just say it. It must come out in the actions that you do. But the lawyer, he wants to justify himself. He wants to condone his actions. The lawyer's neighbor is the Jewish people. He only wants to live out God's commandments with the people he wants to. He sees himself as better than the Gentiles. He sees himself as better than the Samaritans. He's full of hate. And Jesus says, oh yeah? Let me tell you a story about this neighbor. We all know it. The Good Samaritan. And this road to Jericho was a tough place. It'd be like Colfax in Denver. You don't know what's going to happen on that street. Every turning place, every hiding place is a place where you could get robbed. And this is what happens to that man. I mean, the robbers, they come and they beat him up and they leave him for dead. I mean, hateful actions. Every one of us can see it. But the priest and the Levite, they ignore the man. And it's every bit as much hate. But the hated Samaritan, he shows compassion. Luke 10, 33, But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. The people that are hearing this story would have been offended. But Jesus, Jesus, he spoke boldly this love that he's about to share with us. He speaks humbly. And he sees everyone with this, with this compassion that Jesus has. This compassion for everyone. 
doesn't do it because he feels sorry for them. He does it because he loves them. And God calls us to love all people and to help them. And that's what the Samaritan is doing. I mean, he was considered a half-breed. He was considered hated, and yet he helps this broken man. He didn't make excuses. He did what was right. And we don't get to make excuses either. We do not get to say that we are too busy. If we are too busy to help somebody, then we are too busy. And if we're afraid to help somebody, then we are not trusting in God. Love is being there in every situation. Now I can understand that we can't be there in every situation, but how about some situations? How about we listen when the Holy Spirit is telling us to help somebody? Can you imagine a church that was living out the Good Samaritan? A church that was like Jesus. And if we're going to do that, we must not have lying lips. We must not be hypocritical, but we must be real and allow God to work in us. And so that's number number two. We should have truthful lips. Instead of having a lying tongue, we are to be true to who Jesus is and allow Him to transform us. The lawyer here, he's lying. Now, he may say the truth, but he does not live it out, which makes him a liar. Luke 10, 29, But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, Who is my neighbor? The lawyer, he wanted to justify himself. That means that Jesus had painted him in a corner. Now he wants out. Now he knew he loved God. But what about this loving my neighbor part? He asked this question, who is my neighbor? And I don't think that he was really sincere. You see, he reads the commandment this way, love your Jewish neighbor as yourself. His definition definition did not include a Samaritan and the Gentiles. He'd be a neighbor to other Jews, but no one else. He forgets the promises made to Abraham way back in Genesis. Genesis 12.3, it says that I all families will be blessed He wants a definition. So he knows who he can ignore and who he has to be friends with. He wants Jesus to draw a line in the sand, but but the Bible is truth, and God's love is for all. We are lying to ourselves when we try and put restrictions, restrictions on who Jesus can reach. We are lying when we put restrictions on God's love and who can experience it. When we put restrictions on who we help, we are showing hate for that person. We should be like the Samaritan. We should have this integrity. And we should take care of the people that need help. This man who is so desperate, laying there beaten. The Samaritan, he lived out truth in his life. Last Sunday, I read a letter from a young man. He called me truthful. He said that I would tell the truth even if it meant hardship for myself. But he also said I say it in the nicest way possible. I wish he'd tell my wife that. She loves me. But it convicted me. Because I have struggled over the years with this young man. I always thought that he was never listening that he was never paying attention, but you never know when somebody is listening, when somebody is watching, when you are going to make a difference in somebody's life. The impact 
can be amazing. Think of the impact that this Samaritan man made on this Jewish man who was fighting for his life. Do we speak truth into people's lives? You have no idea the healing and restoration that it could have. So that's number three, heal and restore all. You see, God, He hates when blood is shed, but He loves when we carry out healing and restoration. Luke 10.30 Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among the robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. The hate these robbers displayed is awful. But think of the hate you can cause with your words, with your lack of words. Think of the the hate you can cause when you explode on somebody because they're not doing something the way that you want them to be doing it. The Ten Commandments tell us not to murder, which most of us have not done. But we all know the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 21 and 22. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But Jesus says to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. All of us are guilty. We don't have to beat somebody to the point of almost death to demonstrate hate in this world. We just have to be angry with our brother or our sister. And based on Jesus' example in the Good Samaritan parable, I would say your brother is everyone including Biden, Trump. We don't get to hate Obama, LeBron James, Muhammad Ali, or Vladimir Putin. Jesus loves every one of them. Jesus loved Hitler. He loved Stalin. Now, he hated their sin, no doubt about it. He hated their decision to separate themselves from him, but he loves all. Society says that this Samaritan man should have hated the Jews, and yet he expressed Amazing love. Verse 34. He went to him and he bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine, and then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. I heard this story the other day about a pastor. He had a two-year-old daughter and a pregnant wife, and they were killed in a head-on collision by an EMT worker who was heading home after working way too many shifts. It actually was illegal, and he was arrested, and the, and the EMT worker was put on trial for manslaughter. And at the trial, the pastor, he walks in, and he asks if he can go talk to the judge, and he pleads with the judge to just give this man probation. And the judge did. And that pastor still has a relationship with this man. He still considers him part of his family. And later on, this pastor was on Good Morning America or one of those shows that I never watch. And they asked him how he could love somebody that had killed the most important people in his life. And he said, because they weren't the most important people in my life. Jesus is the most important person in my life. And he tells me not to hate, but to love. So what are you going through? I'm pretty sure if we put it in perspective, you would agree that, that Jesus went through a lot more than we have. He went through a lot more than other people have put us through, but yet Jesus loves us anyway. The song by Sidewalk Prophets, I am the thorn in your crown, but you love me anyway. I am the, threat, the, I am the sweat from your brow, but you love me anyway. 
I am the nail in your wrist, but you love me anyway. I am Judas' kiss, but you love me anyway. See, now I am the man who yelled out from the crowd for your blood to be spilled on this earth-shaking ground. Yes, then I turned away with a smile on my face, with the sin in my heart, tried to bury your grace. And then alone in the night, I still call out for you, so ashamed of my life, my life, my life. Think about that. We put him on a cross, and yet he does not hate us, but he loves us. And I think that we can find love for others. This healing and this restoration is part of being righteous. And being righteous is not about rules and keeping yourself clean. Being righteous is about letting Jesus work in us and transform us. Surrendering to Him. Trusting that He died on a cross, that He was buried, and that He resurrected again. All because He had a love for us. So that's number four. Do we seek out the righteous ways? When we do not help others for any reason, it is wicked. And it plays out in Satan's plan and not God's plan. And so what is your heart? Is your heart one of righteousness or is it one of hardness? Because hardness is wicked. Luke 10, 31 and 32. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And so likewise, the Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. These are supposed to be righteous men. These men are supposed to help people. But they walk on the other side. They had other things to do. Maybe they were scared. Maybe they had a family they had to get to. Maybe they did not want to defile themselves because they were just cleaning themselves up. Maybe they had just sacrificed for their sins. I don't know. But what I do know is they did not seek out what the Bible says about this subject. Deuteronomy 22.4 says that we should help our brothers and not ignore them. And Isaiah 58.7 says that we should feed the hungry, that we should house the poor, and that we should clothe the naked. It says that we should not walk on the other side of the street, regardless of what is going on in our lives. But often we make excuses. I have places to be. My safety is more important. I'm not a doctor. I'm tired. I'm an introvert. I will leave it up to the pastor. Somebody else will do it. I'll just get to Jericho and dial 911. I stole that one. No, as believers, we must be the first to help. Goodness is helping those in need. And we must run quickly to goodness. That's number five. In 1964, a woman was brutally murdered outside her home. It was 3 a.m. in the morning. She pulls into the parking spot. She's only 100 feet from her door. And as she gets out, a man attacks her and starts to stab her. She screams and yells for help. And 38 people in that apartment complex watched as this man took her life. There was even a break in the action and nobody helped. And a little bit after it was done, somebody finally called the police but only after asking a friend if it was okay. The woman's name was Kitty Genovese. It even coined a term called Genovese Syndrome. It stands for all of us who are too indifferent or too self-absorbed or too scared or too busy to help the hurting people all around us. 
And it is hate to sit back and let somebody die. The Samaritan did not just ignore somebody. He did something. Luke 10, 33-35, But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and he bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine. And then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn. And he took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him. And whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Now we may never have the opportunity to help somebody who is dying. But everyone can help somebody who is spiritually dead. If we say we love Jesus, but we hate others, we make God a liar. God hates when we bring false witness. And so what does God want from us? He wants us to be a credible witness. Number six, God wants us to be honest and help others. But part of being a credible witness is doing what we say we're going to. To be like Jesus. Luke 10, 36 and 37, which of these three do you think proved to be the neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And the lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. We don't know how the lawyer responded after that. But Jesus, he dropped the first ever century equivalent of a, of a mic drop, right? Wish I could have said that a little better. It was a better one on my head. God is mercy. And therefore, when we do not respond with mercy, we demonstrate that God is a liar, especially if we claim to know Him. See, a few years back, there was this man. I just dropped off my kids at school and I was driving to work and it was by the Holiday Inn. He was sitting there and he had some, some overalls on. He didn't have a shirt underneath and he actually had a hobo pack. Literally, his stuff was on a stick. And I looked at that man and I had somewhere to go that morning and I drove by him. It's probably about 30 degrees or so that day. Went to work that day and I thought about him all day. And I thought about him all night. Didn't sleep much. The next morning I went to work and obviously Russ was there. And I saw Russ and from God's grace, I see this guy walking by the church and Russ is the first one to run and go talk to this man and I followed. And I watched Russ as Russ talked to this guy and you could see this compassion that Russ had for this man. And I'm telling you, I've smelled some people in my day and this guy smelled like he had never taken a shower in his life. But Russ didn't care. You should have seen Russ. Russ comes up to this guy. He gives him this massive hug. And Russ looks at me and he goes, we need to get this guy a room. We need to get this guy some food. Russ is like telling me what to do. And I'm just sitting back. It was beautiful. And we put this guy in a, in a motel. And he stayed there. And the next morning we went to get him. And when I showed up to pick up Russ, Russ had taken a Bible and he'd marked all these places in John so that he could give this Bible to this man. Just seeing the way that Russ loved this man was so beautiful. And we took this man to go to the bus stop and we sat there with him and we just talked to him until he took off. 
Now, I don't know anything else about this man, but I know that he heard the gospel, and I know that he saw the gospel in Russ. I can tell you guys, Russ is my hero. There is a reason that I love that man. He loves people. There is no hate in his heart. And I think we can all learn so much from him. I wish that we had a church of three hundreds of Russ. I know we have beautiful people in this place. I truly believe that. And I truly believe that if we will fall into these, that we will care about people the way that he does, it will be a church that is united. And a church that makes a difference in people's lives, make a difference in this world. That's number seven. We're to unite believers. Because God hates when we sow discord among brothers. He hates it when we have hate in our hearts, when we lie, when we harm others or harm and hate our brother. When we have wicked plans, when we run to evil, when we bring about false witness, or do not do something, when we witness something that somebody needs our help. God hates when we sow discord among brothers, but my guess is that all of us have done it at some point in our life. But I'm telling you, if we're going to learn, we can be like Ephesians 4, 31-32. It says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. That's the key. Do not be complacent with our understanding of who God is and what He has done for us. God did not hate us, so we should not hate others. God loves us, and that love should radiate out from us. Are we more like the scribe, the robber, the priest, and the Levite? Are we more like the Samaritan? I believe that FBC is the Samaritan. I believe that we have compassion. I believe that we can humbly see everyone. I believe that we can speak truth, a truth that heals and restores I believe that we can seek out righteousness and run towards goodness. I believe that we are truthful witnesses of who Jesus is. And I believe that we are a group of united believers caring about others and wanting to show this glory of Jesus to the rest of this world and to live out this love in every relationship that we have. Even the ones that are about to begin. So here's the challenge. Who is somebody that you feel like you've been hating? That you've been hating by not telling them about Jesus. Just the other day I realized that I haven't been talking to a man that I would consider one of my best friends. He's definitely not a Jesus person. And so I thought, what could I do? And he knows Spanish, and I'm learning Spanish. So I thought, maybe I could strike up a conversation in Spanish with this man. Build that relationship so that I can share about who Jesus Christ is. Every one of us has somebody like that in our life. It's that person that came to your mind. And so it doesn't have to be something special. You don't have to know every theological term that ever came up in the Scriptures. Just share your story. What has Jesus do to transform your life? 
How has He changed the hate in your life to a love for all mankind? And if you need to, just invite Him to church. And it's at 9 and 11, not 10 next week. But I will gladly share the Gospel to anybody that comes into this room. So let's be bold. Let's understand that God has a purpose for this place. And He wants us to go to anyone who is willing to listen and to love on them, to care for them, and not to hate them. Because we are a church that loves. We are a church that cares about people. We're a church that wants to share the gospel like Russ. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for the church. I thank you for this church. I thank you for hearts that love and not hearts that hate. And Lord, I pray that you would transform us. That you would help us to realize the the hate that's there and help us to, to focus on you and turn towards you and allow you to transform it. To take away that hate. Lord, we know that you are in control. We know that you sent your son. And we know that he died on the cross. And we know that that love for us can pour out through us to other people. Lord, help us to build relationships. Help us to be bold in you. And help us to care desperately about who you are. Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.